Welcome back to Ag Watchers. You've got myself, Matt Dalgleish, and Andrew Whitelaw. And this week we've got a regular special guest, Trent Osmond, from uh, Western Union uh, Currency uh, Division. He's an expert on Aussie dollar, which we'll get to in a second. But uh, I thought, Andrew, we'll just cover off quickly on what's been going on in our respective markets before we get um, get the big fella on to talk currencies. Yeah, so what's the big thing happening at the moment in, in livestock? We'd have to be... Uh, the big news item that we've seen a lot of news articles about is uh, African swine fever. Read its ugly head again, isn't it? And uh, you know, the scepticism of <laughs> uh, of of whether the Chinese government data is is acceptable and whether it should be taken at face value. Something something we've been saying for I know the, I think one of the first reports I wrote was on that on Thomas Edward Markets back in the middle of last year is that. We didn't believe that the leading there were some leading numbers which indicated that they probably weren't quite at the same level of rebuild that the Chinese government were were, were actually saying. That's right, man. In accordance with prophecy, now uh, we see uh, ABS presenters come out this week uh, also questioning and actually not just questioning, I guess, the data, but going through some of what we went through a few months back in terms of the price and the, the import stuff, but also. Um, brought in some anecdotal evidence suggesting that there's a couple of new strains of ASF ramp- rampaging through parts of China again. I see overnight too there was a Reuters report saying, um, you know, more 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 cases and um, looks like it's put the herd rebuild, the pork herd rebuild back uh, by a little bit. And um, yeah, it, one of the things I just know, I just saw the the export data for Australia got released this week, Andrew too, and it's curious, particularly with regards to sheep meat. Um, for lamb in particular, the February numbers were back at record levels for, for lamb exports from Australia to China, and they actually exactly matched the February record for 2019, which was the highest on record for Feb, um, like over 6,000 tonne of lamb exported to China. So I wonder if that's already a signal um, that you know some of these issues with the ASF are starting to flow back through into those red meat markets because um, 2019 well, was huge, you know. Well, call, call me a cynic, as, as everyone does. But it still comes back down to that. If the head rebuild was there and, and pork was close to, well, above 90%, I think, with some estimates, let's call it 80 to 100%, then the demand for meat imports into China would be substantially curtailed. And that would be a big impact on, on Australian, um, Australian meat prices in general, whether it be sheep or, or cattle. Because, you know, when you think about it, we've got, you know, restockers in New South Wales have paid substantial prices, and and the risk was that there was a there was a pretty strong correction because China stopped buying, and then they bought at high levels and and they're selling at low levels. But that might not happen, you know. And and there was analysts saying that this was going to happen this year because they were taking the Chinese government figures at face value. Mm. But it it may not be a, a situation of there being a, a bit of a a train wreck and a sudden price drop, you know. No, it's, no it's, it's all, but but it's going to be on the horizon. That's as much as we say that we don't believe Chinese figures. At some point in the next couple of years, that will occur. Oh yeah, that's for sure. They'll get back there. But the curious thing you say too, though, then about the beef space. Um, if you look at our beef exports, almost every every kind of key country. So your Japan, you know, uh, USA in particular, USA were really low for Feb, fifty um, percent down on normal kind of levels, which is massive. Um, but China was only something like 9% down on their February volume. So 
you know, beef exports a bit softer than, you know, comparatively to lamb, so below average trend. But um, when you look at the other key nations, China beef demand for Australia, even though we've got this issue still with trade and still with uh, abattoirs that have not got access, they're still almost at average levels. So it, it does still show, irrespective of the red meat, there's still some pretty good demand. And, and that's not counting all the other meat product that's coming from South America and elsewhere into China. So, um, you know, it's nice to have our scepticism validated by uh, by another analyst that's um, that's well respected, Andrew. Yep. No, and I think that's that's the thing. It's it's when you're when you're sort of sitting out there as the outlier, you think, well, maybe you are wrong. But you know, when you've got guys with the you know guys who are respected like Simon Quilty who are coming out and agreeing with us, then you know it, it backs it looks at, it backs up the numbers that we we were thinking. And that's then exactly. that's that's definitely good. But I guess you know, broken clock is right twice a day. Even a blind chicken sometimes finds some corn. That's an old old saying my Hungarian mother-in-law used to say to me whenever I'd boast about how I get things right all the time. But um, think, speaking about getting things right all the time, though, Andrew Trent Osmond and and I have been talking this Aussie dollar up for a while. And Trent, we've uh, in in between our podcasts, we've seen the Aussie touch eighty cents briefly and got a bit of a nosebleed. And it's been a bit whippy, mate. What's been going on? Because I said there's some bond market kind of carry on and some interest out of the US has been a bit whippy. So you've had Aussie up at 80 cents and back down at 77 cents and all over the place. What's been going on, mate, in currencies uh, that we've missed out since our last podcast? Yeah, Trent, what, what have you been doing, Trent? Jeez, I, with that right, mate, I don't even know why you've got me on the show today. I think you just, just covered everything that I'm going to talk about, mate. But no, you're uh, thanks again for having me. Of course, uh, lads, um, always, always, always good fun. Um, yeah, plenty happening. Uh, I guess you, 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 you three or four themes if you want to look at it. Um, you know, global, um, the global recovery. Um, you know, the Aussie always performs well uh, in times of you know a positive outlook. Um, so that's you know first and foremost uh, one of the key drivers, or you know one of the biggest drivers. Commodity prices through the roof. Um, interesting you know, on your corn corn joke there and 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 referencing uh quilty yesterday um you know obviously copper's had a good run but milk prices over in uh over in uh in new zealand up 15 percent uh, i think at auctions yesterday and i think you know going down to cost of production over in china you know being through the roof and, and that sort of thing you know really interesting um and probably the third piece you know after after commodities rallying is um you know the Bonds, um, you know, bond yields, ten-year treasuries, and that sort of things, um, and interest rate uh, outlook in the states. So, obviously, we've got this, um, you know, this global theme with central banks, um, you know, pouring trillions of dollars into into quantitative easing, um, you know, interest rate policy, you know, as low as it's ever ever been, um, and you know, that's a you know a big driver of, of well, you know, call it U.S. dollar weakness. I guess the, the Fed. Have had their their uh, their full full throttle, um, you know, pretty much since uh, since the COVID um, uh, since COVID outbreak, and um, you know that's why the Aussies um, you know Aussies benefited. Yeah, and uh, Trent, just bear in mind some of our audience. I might one of the phrases you just use there, quantitative easing, is something I'm familiar with, but it may be uh, a phrase that's not that uh, commonly understood. And it, it, uh, Ag watchers were all about educating as well as entertaining, hopefully. Um, so quantitative easing is basically the, the printing of money effectively, isn't it? It's just making it money easier to get. So you're not you're not providing a um, 
a boost to the economy by lowering interest rates because we can't, we can't lower interest rates too much more, of course. Of course. Uh, and some countries are already at negatives. Um, so you're, you're actually the, the, the central bank is providing easier access to money, printing money and, and making um, that whole circulation money go around quicker and, and more available. So then that encourages people to then spend and invest into other things. Exactly. Yes, spot on. You nailed it. And really interesting point there, mate. Um, you know, we all know how much uh, our mate Andrew loves his uh, beloved sterling. It's actually been the, the, the best performing currency this year uh, for that exact reason. You know, the um, uh, Bank of England um, have basically shied away or, or steered away from calling negative interest rates over there. And, um, you know, that's why it's it's been quite well uh quite well bid mate so bugger um if, bugger. If you, <laughs> that's good mate if you want to repatriate you know your large inheritance over there mate now is the the time to get on board you know so that's uh that's how we want to look at it but um yeah it's uh yeah central bank wars uh wild wild times mate but yeah it really uh the, i did mention copper as well um so that thing has been you know absolutely charging i mean copper goes into a lot of you know uh daily products that we use so that price has been rallying which is an indication of, you know, infrastructure spend, you know, money going back out into, you know, in, investing in, um, you know, new new goods, I guess. Um, and that basically means that, you know, people are buying them. So that, that is generally a leading indicator um, of, of global growth. And as I mentioned at the start, um, you know, what really supports, um, you know, the Aussie in that environment. Mm, that's an issue in the copper market going like that. I mean, That'll be a big signal to the to the Danong boys that I used to grow up with. They'll be down at the uh, the rental houses that are vacant, stripping out all the copper wiring and selling it on the black market for you know to buy themselves a few uh, cases of beer. I reckon that's always what usually happens when copper goes berserk. Yeah, it's interesting. My uh, my old man, my whole you know, uh, uh, used to run a um, air conditioning business, and obviously there's a lot of copper piping that goes in. Um, you know, from the condenser to the to the to your inside unit or whatever it might be, and um, yeah, mate, funny. When copper prices used to rally, that used to be locked up, very mm. very heavy. And you, you heard the story too, Trent, about the invention of copper wire. You know that that was over two Scottish brothers fighting over a two two cent uh, copper coin. No, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a visual joke, mate. You imagine. All right. Imagine them both grabbing the coin and pulling it at it, and they invented copper wire from the yeah, okay. from the forcefulness yeah, you know of I'm the not, pulling. Yeah. I'm, I'm not good with jokes, mate. <laughs> but just getting back to getting back to the uh, the pound there with Andrew and your huge um, vast tracts of um, inherited farmland back in the old country in Scotland, you could probably with with the pound so high, Andrew, you could sell up and maybe buy Tasmania, could you? Or? <laughs> I think I think with my my one bedroom apartment on the outskirts of Glasgow is. Which is which has gone up in value by about two percent in the last fifteen years. Um, I could probably buy a shed, maybe. I could probably put a shed in the garden, actually. I reckon. For, for Sounds a, good. Uh, what uh, What about um, Andrew? Anything interesting in the grain space uh, of late? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. Uh, probably the the biggest thing that's going on is is not really new. It's still the same thing of of Chinese demand. Uh, that seems to be continuing. Uh, the other thing we're seeing is that winter chill or winter kill, sorry. On an annual basis, you get a big scare with a winter kill has destroyed the crop in the US and we're going to have, you know, big issues come come harvest time every year without fail. But this one does seem to have been 
quite a severe drop with temperatures way below the expected range in uh, in state southern states like Kansas and Oklahoma. And uh, what that sort of why that's an issue is that those are southern states, so they don't necessarily have the blanket of snow uh, to offer protection to the crop. Like up in up in the northern states, it's it's not as big of an issue because they've got snow cover. So that becomes a risk of, you know, has that damaged the crop? You know, it will have caused some damage, but we just don't know what the extent of that will be, probably for another two to three months. Or not two to three months, probably three or four weeks, really. And we're already seeing condition reports where conditions are, are dropping in those states. Um, so we'll just have to keep a, keep a close eye on that. Uh, but yeah, other things as well. It just seems to be that, you know, things are starting to decline in terms of, you know, stocks around the world. So if we look at things like the stocks to use ratio, you know, for wheat in Europe, it's at the lowest level in, I don't know, probably since the 70s, which this is a stocks to use ratio, again, for those just to just to explain jargon and terminology, is basically a calculation of, of supplies versus demand. The lower stocks to use means that the less is available. And and so having a low one is, is generally uh, a signal or an indicator of, of of high high pricing. So I think it's like it's really is quite interesting. We're sort of on the precipice of, you know, this year we could have. I know this sounds like I'm sitting on the fence, but we've got all the signals for for a strong price environment. We just need somebody to light the fire and. So there to be an issue somewhere in the northern hemisphere, whether that's Russia, Ukraine, Europe, or or North America, then boom. Yeah, that, and that's something you've outlined. I think <coughs> Andrew and I trip were on a bit of a tour of South Australia last week, and um, Andrew was presenting about these kind of drivers. And that chart you put up, Andrew, that showed historically that level of volatility in grain markets, um, you know, are really, really closely aligned with that northern hemisphere kind of period you know when it and so it's what the, the middle of our year isn't it when you can kind of see these big swings potentially yeah basically the, the volatility sort of increases as you get to the middle of the year and then stops starts dropping off as you get more certainty on on what is getting produced so i think look it's going to be you know the grain market's always pretty pretty exciting in the middle of the year there's always something happening but i think the next couple of months is going to be you know it's, it's the deciding the deciding sort of influence is probably going to be earlier than it is in in normal years so so pretty exciting and you know again china you know coming along and uh, and sucking up demand is is probably a sign a of you know some of the herd being rebuilt but also probably a sign that it's going into more commercial farms Potentially, the genetics are not as good, so the feed conversion ratios are are lower than you would have normally had, <clears throat> and they're already already lower than they are in Western Europe and, and Australia. Uh, but also, probably a sign that last year's crop was pretty was pretty poor, which which you know we all suspected, even though we got the uh, the normal statements from the Chinese government, it's a record crop for the umpteenth year in a row. Uh, but we suspect that. If you have a record crop, you probably don't need to import huge numbers, volumes of 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 grain. But speaking of that, you know, record crops. Australia is in uh, record territory again with uh, you know another massive crop, uh, and that's 
you know, another sign that this year has been has been fantastic. And to put it in perspective, you know, this year was the uh, the record crop with the with the gold medal for wheat at thirty three and a half million tons. The silver was in two thousand and sixteen at thirty one and a half million tons, and the bronze two thousand eleven twenty nine point nine million tons, and the wooden spoon in fourth place two thousand ten. 27 and a half million tons but what what are they all got in common what is the what is a common pattern to those years five years apart bingo no. No. what do you mean that's 100 percent what they've got in common well they're not because one of them's got a year in between the two so <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad mass isn't your strong suit um, <laughs> no the, the the common thing is the top four highest production years in wheat have all been since I arrived in the country. Oh, I thought you were going to say they've all been La Nina years, but um, there you go. So it's Andrew's. It's Andrew's great advice to the grain sector that's helping drive that profitability and uh, congratulations and good outcomes. It's, um, just, it's just my aura. Yeah, moving on quickly and back to something you know maybe uh, you know the trend can help us with. So I'll note I'll note on Twitter this week, Andrew. Um, I paid my debts to a, a, a one Michael DeClover for the Aussie dollar bet we had, but um, I just missed out on that one. But Trent and I have been discussing Aussie, and we, he's given us a rundown of what's been happening recently. But I'm just curious now to see what does the um, crystal ball kind of tell him about, um, you know, the remainder of this year. I mean, we poked our head above 80 cents, like I said. Um, I, I kind of was suspecting that we might see it into the low 80s by the end of the year, but I, I did see some forecasts from some other um, foreign exchange entities and, 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 and you know, financial institutions that suggested we might even see it as high as 85 cents by the end of the year, which I thought was a little bit optimistic. Um, mm. what, what's, the, uh, what's the Trent Osmond or the Western Union um, view on where the Aussie to hit, where it goes from here, mate? Yeah, I'll, I'll reference the Western Union view for sure, mate, uh, which is, is something that we're, we're all aligned to. Our, our master-in-chief, Stephen Dooley, uh, has been pretty spot on with this. Um, our, our, June, our June target uh, is 82 cents uh, and uh, December uh, 84. So that's kind of in line with those optimistic um, levels that you, you, you mentioned there, uh, Matt. Um, you're right. Uh, again, the... The opinion was that you know we might run up a little bit further through eighty, uh, but yeah, it, it didn't really uh, didn't really sustain that run. Um, but look, as you know, markets don't go in one direction. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you do get a bit of volatility, um, and you know, does the Aussie commence its run higher? Well, you know, according to our our uh, our view uh, at the black and yellow, um, yeah, Aussie Aussie ends a year. Mm. Uh, about six cents above where it is now, around seventy-eight. Oh, I um I seem to recall Trent the very first um kind of catch up we did. It might not have been a podcast. It might have been a webinar, uh, right in the thick of uh, you know the COVID stuff early last year or whatever it was. That was um and Dooley was talking the Aussie down significantly. <laughs> um, he seems to have changed his tack a little bit now. He's he's, he's and it's a little bit you know is he he's not chasing his tail is he? He's not kind of now getting uh, a bit too souped up at the top and like well, he was getting a bit too bearish at the bottom. Yeah. Oh man, you know what these forecasters are like. It's um you know take it with a with a with a grain of salt, but no, it's he's got to pick. He's got to be right fifty percent of the time, right? But no, look, I mean, coming back to where the forecasts are looking for the end of the year, I think the Reuters poll. Um, was released today um, and your averages, I'll just read them out here. So one month, 77, three months, 78, 
six months, 79, 34, and one year at 80 cents. So that's kind of where your, your averages are coming in at. Um, yes. You know, has everyone updated their numbers? Um, you know, probably not or, or updated their forecast. But even here domestically, like most of the, uh, I think all four banks are, are, are seeing, um, all four major banks um, are seeing uh, Aussie above uh, with an eight in front of it as the as year are. As the year ends. So, so Trent, you, you mentioned a few factors driving the price. GDP is one of them. We've had, I think, is it the biggest increase in GDP we've had on record for a quarter? At 3.1? It was a very strong number, but that's for sure. So I guess the thing is, like, can that continue? Like, that's... That's one of the things. I wonder, I wonder how, how strong the economy is going to be. Like, you know, I wonder what happens when a lot of these stimulus packages get pulled out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I was just having a chat to a, a, a mate in, um, you know, debt financing and that sort of thing just prior to this. And he yeah. thinks that, um, you know, he's a bit of a litmus of a bit of pain out there and, you know, usually kind of sees this stuff coming on a bit earlier than... Um, you know, than 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 your common folk out there. Um, you know, he reckons that all sectors are, are back on and, and and charging. So he's very optimistic um, about what's around the corner. Um, you know, yeah, job is topical, but again, is this just another, you know, topic that can be pulled out to you know get a bearish view on the outlook? I don't yeah. know. Maybe like, of course, it's going to have an impact for sure. Because um, I don't know. Because I don't know if you saw that that green sill, which is oh, yeah. the supplier invoicing. Mm. They've had all their or a, a big chunk of their financing pulled. Yeah. And I think some of the news reports were talking about potential for, a, you know, voluntary administration. Yeah. Or, or insolvency at this point, which is, you know, I don't know how much of that is impacted by overseas factors as opposed to, to local factors. But it's, I guess we'll just see what happens over the coming months. But, you know, I think we're at, what, 80, 85% of pre-COVID levels in terms of the economy, which is a, like a startling recovery. Mm. V-shaped recovery, they're calling it. Mm. Yeah, the green one's interesting. Stock, I mean, it's dead cat bounce. Yeah, <laughs> dead, dead cat bounce. That's right. Uh, I don't know. I reckon that, that I've seen a few forecasts, and you're saying now that Western Union are up around that 84, 85 cent level by the end of the year now as well, too. Mm. Trent, mm. I will go out on a limb here and say that if if we here see we if we see an 85 cent printed before the end of the year, I will catch the tram up and down Collins Street wearing my underwear. Done, and hopefully we can get to Kluver along to that and, as well. And you, and love that. And you, and and Western Union offices on Collins Street, so the team can come out and view me going up and down on on the tram there in my underwear if they so desire. But I can't see it getting to eighty five cent this year. Um, I think that's just a bit over the top. And and house prices as well. House, cool. house prices had a trend. You're 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 in the depth of it. You're about to move house. Yeah. You know, but house prices seem to be going gangbusters. You know, and I suppose it's just, just it just it's interesting to see this sort of this recovery. Like you can't get a tradie to do work anymore, and and so you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the coming months. Housing prices, Jesus, very topical, mate. Wild, wild scenes we're seeing out there. That is for sure. It's just interest rates are so low. Like it's like the serviceability of these loans is. You, you can actually make the repayments, but the problem is it's getting cash to pay the debt in stamps. You know that's, um, you know that's uh, that's well, it's that it's it's spread, it's been the it's been the easiest serviceability in the moment of all time, apparently. <laughs> and but the RBA has also come out saying that they're not likely to raise rates until we get C, um, the CPI back into their two to three percent range, which is possibly what four or five years away. 
yeah, 2024, um, they're calling yeah, it longer. But, but in saying that, though, I think um, there is still a lot of overall debt out there, even though, even though the service, serviceability is, um, is good now because of how low interest rates are. But we don't need to see interest rates back at, you know, 12%. Uh, to start to cause pain, I think um, you know once no things get way. once things recover oh. and and you know with the amount of debt that some people are holding, particularly for buying property in in some of the major cities, uh, and when you compare the debt levels to income levels, their their um, you know, income hasn't really kept up with house pricing and 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 debt um, and debt requirements. Mm. So I think you know gone are the days where you need to get interest rates to seventeen or eighteen percent before it starts to really hurt people. I think an interest rate mortgage repayment of um, 7 or 8 or 9%, I think, would make people go uh, green if, if uh, they had to get to that stage again. So, um, well, it would be yeah. absolute carnage out there if interest rates are back at 7%. I, 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 just, I, just, I just think that would just be irresponsible. I think they, they did mention, though, that um, uh, they may look to enforce some more banking, you know, mortgage lending controls towards the end of this year to, you know, kind of kind of quell the, um, the, the rally in the housing market. But I don't know. We'll see. But you're right. I think... I think the banks have actually brought in their pricing matrix from like seven and a half percent down to like five and a half percent too on serviceability. So that's an interesting one as well um, that, that happened like a year or so ago. Um, mate works in home loans, so yeah. Anyway, very off topic. There it is, Andrew. You ready for the wrap up, mate? Yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for giving me the good news on on sterling. Um, what about the uh, Norwegian krona? You know, I'm, I'm thinking oh, of. Yeah. You know, we always like to get a curly one in for you, Trent, because we know you've done your research. You're going to go over there. I'll tell, tell, the, uh, tell you what, I, like, I know that we always give you a curly one and, and you always get frightened about what it is because we change it up. <laughs> give, give, us the, give us the ruble. What's up? The ruble's important for us in the wheat. Nah, what? on a serious note, the, the ruble, a very interesting one here. So, um, Aussie, so the Aussie US move off the lows, right? So basically off. Um, you know, last last year. Last so, March, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's 12 months pretty much almost to the day, in fact. Um, the low we saw, 55.06. Um, and, you know, calling Aussie, say, it's 78 cents now. It's about a 41% move, okay? Um, look, Listen, look, it's unreal when you put it in percentage terms, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, 100%. Yeah, 40% move. Well, it's not 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Keeps changing uh, his mind, Andrew. First it's 41%, then it's 100%. It's 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100% now. Yeah. 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 It's 100% of 100%. <laughs> With the ruble, though, um, Aussie ruble um, is, uh, is actually only up 32%. So, Ruble's actually strengthened against the dollar if you're crossing that back out, and um, we haven't performed as well. So, you know, does that make, you know, us comparatively speaking, um, I'm just getting smashed by calls here, us comparatively speaking, a little bit more competitive um, as we go into, uh, you know, the next next season uh, on the grain side, Andrew? Yeah, well, I guess it depends really what it is compared to the US dollar because it's been yeah. weak against the US dollar still. Um, but the big, the big thing is probably less about the... The ruble as well now is probably that export tax, yeah, which is going to make them uncompetitive, you know, at least until the first of June, and then irrespective of the, what their currency does, they're already they're doing their own kind of damage. They're 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 they're, they're making an impact locally, mm-hmm. uh, and then that that changes to a permanent tax, permanent floating tax from that point on. So it's just going to be a again. It's all it's, it's all good news for Australian farmers, though. Apart, you know, Aussie dollar rising isn't good, but 
It's yeah. manageable though. You know, come yeah, out, bring it, it. It's manageable if the rest of the if the rest of world's price increases. We're seventy eight cents today. You said Trent thereabouts, and so yeah. the long term the long term twenty year average 76. is about seventy seven and a half or something. I think. So we're only just slightly above average. So you know that's that's where you know kind of we're not really going to get some significant pain across the bulk of our export commodities until we're up into that you know 90s. mid 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 eighty five ninety level. And like I said, um, I'm feeling pretty safe that I won't be up and down Collins Street in my underwear. So yeah. well, you look at the flip side. Um, your inputs as well. If you if you're on the cropping side, um, at least Andrew is. Um, your inputs are cheaper, importing oh, uh, chemicals, or your machinery. Come on. The, the, yeah, farmers have just, the farmers have just yelled at the podcast. Uh, oh, jeez. I, uh, I, I, I can hear the pitchforks. Can you? Yeah, when, uh, when, uh, when, when, you know, thinking fertilizer, gosh, that, that's been a bit of a. Yeah, a well, the fertilizer, uh, yes, in theory, inputs should drop when the Aussie dollar drops. Yeah. Um, but a lot of markets don't necessarily always follow. What the market is. There's Ooh, farmers, like there's farmers that the are just there's, there's farmers that have just turned their tractors out of the paddock and they're heading down to Collins Street right now to protest out the front of Western Union offices, just saying the inputs are not uh, as low as what they could be. Yeah, well, I, I don't think I'm going to fix that. <laughs> but oh, but but no, it is, it is a good point. Like fuel and stuff should be cheaper in theory. Yep. And, and fertilizer, but again, the impact is that. The actual commodity price has risen to yes. overtake the actual rise in the Aussie dollar. Same with the dairy, like 15% up the other day for global trade auctions. Yeah. Um, that supersedes any rise that we've had in Aussie dollar in recent weeks. So we shall mm. see. We shall see. I think it's still all positive, regardless of the Aussie dollar increasing. But anyway, thanks, thanks for coming along, Trent. No dramas, thank you. Always good to pick your brain, and always good to fix your internet connection when you come on, because it's usually dreadful, uh, even though you're in the city. Um, but yeah, good to come along for all the listeners. Um, if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with your friends and family. If you didn't like the podcast, well, share it with your enemies. And <laughs> um, if you if you liked it, leave a review, leave a, a rating on your favoured podcast listening device. And, uh, yeah, ciao for now. See you when you got nothing on. Goodbye. See you on Collins Street.